I believe today's message is going to be helpful. I think sermons, messages ought to be helpful. Would you agree? It's helpful if sermons are helpful. <laughs> the title of the message this morning is Restoring Balance in Our Lives. Restoring Balance in Our Lives. And when you think about that statement, how are you do, doing in terms of balance in your life, your well-being, in your private world? Are you frayed at the edges? Are you in peak form? Are you a little shaky, a little bit of a speed wobble? I do think it's important to talk about this, especially at this time of the year, because here we are uh, basically middle of December, and some people are thinking of going on holiday, some are already away, some of you will be going away, still some will be staying at home and just having a time of rest at home. But I believe that sometimes we need to just take stock in our lives and say, well, is there balance? I need to restore balance in my life. Maybe you can think of a person that you recently encountered or you recently spoke to and you realized how their lives were really out of balance. Can you think of somebody like that? Somebody who's really, you know, stretched right to the limit. Somebody who's maybe almost at breaking point. Somebody who's right at the edge. And maybe you can think of this person or that person that is in that situation. Or maybe you might be saying, well, John, actually, that's me today. <laughs> I am very, very thinly stretched. I seriously need balance to be restored. Or maybe for you it's not at a level that serious, but I believe that we can all benefit from hearing this today. But I believe that the solution lies in finding balance and steering away from living at that place where you are right on the edge. I don't believe that we need to be living right at that point, right at the edge, you know, just, just kind of keeping it together and the slightest little bit of thing, and it's, you know, it's history. But I believe that we can steer towards a healthy center. I believe that God wants you and I to live lives which are not out of sync and out of balance. There are times when in anybody's life, you know, you're burning the candle at too many ends, but then you can restore balance and you should restore balance and we can live in this way. But in terms of bringing balance into our lives, I want to say this, that this is not God's job. It is your job. I want to say that we are the stewards of our lives. God has given us everything that we need for life and godliness. But when our lives are out of sync and out of balance, you need to come to the Lord for that restoration. He's given everything that you need for a successful life. But when the balance is there, it's our responsibility to see that when the balance isn't there, it's our responsibility to see those things restored. I read a book called God's Generals. It was written a few years ago by a person called Robert Sliridan. He talks about many of the generals of God, if I can put it that way. Many of the great men and women of God 
that were remarkably used on this planet. Amazing stories of healings and miracles and incredible things that God did through these people's lives. And I was reading this book and I was finding it, I could hardly put it down. It was really inspirational. But there was a side to the book which was very difficult because sadly, the majority of the people that were recorded in that book ended up facing a breakdown. Can you believe that? Ended up facing a breakdown, unable to properly function. And some of them went into uh, you know, seclusion and you never heard of them again because they just couldn't function anymore. They had completely overdone things. And you see that they thought that the anointing would just sustain their bodies and that they didn't need to rest. They thought, well, I'm praying for people and God's power is flowing and so therefore this must all be fine and even though I'm super tired, I'm not gonna rest because God's working but the gifts and callings and, uh, of God are without repentance, he's still gonna use you but you need to look after yourself. So one of the big things that came out in this book is that we are the stewards of our own lives. We need to realize that. Maybe you've never thought about this in that full sense of responsibility. I want to tell you, child of God, you are the steward of your life. You have to look after yourself. God will help you. He will give you the grace, but you have to be making the decisions and being intentional about that. Can you say amen? amen. So it's our job to create balance, and it's our job to have boundaries. I heard Joyce Meyer, and she was talking, and she was saying, God, my schedule is so busy. I'm speaking at so many meetings all the time. This is stressful. And the Lord said to her, well, you set up your schedule. So why are you complaining to me? Yes, I want you to minister, but you don't have to go crazy and schedule so many meetings. And so she began to change things and restore her balance. Now, there are probably so many things that one could say about the area of restoring balance in our lives. I want to touch on just four things. Number one, ensure that you are getting sufficient rest. Please say this with me. Ensure that you are getting sufficient rest. Now, I'd like to ask, would you say that to the person next to you as an instruction? Tell them that. Ensure that you are getting sufficient rest. And now tell them the pastor is speaking to you. <laughs> okay? The scripture says in Isaiah 30 verse 15, which is a scripture I believe that can be used as something of a basis for rest. I'm talking spiritual rest primarily at this point in time. It says, Isaiah 30 15, it says, For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning... And what's that word? Say it. Rest. Say it again. Rest. You shall be saved. Now let that sink in for a moment. In returning and rest, you shall be saved. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength. The Bible does have something to say about rest. There's another beautiful scripture. Matthew 11 verse 28. It's an invitation from Jesus. Jesus says, come to me. This is to you. All you who are weary and labor, heavy laden, and I will give you, there's this word, rest. You see, God wants you to have rest. He wants your soul to be in a place of peace, 
shalom, wholeness, and rest. He certainly wants it. But this is crucial. Listen to this. A crucial thing we need to realize is there is a connection between spiritual rest and physical rest. These are closely linked. I'm of the opinion that many people do not realize this. But I want to tell you, spiritual rest and physical rest, these things are linked. They are closely linked. And I don't believe, listen carefully, that you can be physically and emotionally run down and yet at the same time spiritually vibrant. I don't believe it's possible because these things are linked. I think of Elijah. What happened with Elijah? He had a great victory, Mount Carmel. The prophets of Baal were defeated. Then Jezebel was out to kill him. He's running from Jezebel. And during this time, he gets completely run down and depleted. And that's when he was spiritually weak and exposed. When was Elijah spiritually weak? When he was physically run down, because these things are connected. I read an article about worship leading. And it talks about things which are important to come and lead worship and, and be effective as you lead in worship. And I thought it would have been the usual sort of things like, you know, pray before you come and warm up your voice and drink, you know, lemon and honey tea so that you can sing, la, 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 get all the nice singing voice and so on. You like my opera style? Yes. Can we just edit that out quickly, please? Golly, sometimes I do crazy things. Anyhow, now, focus people, settle down, settle. Now, in terms of this, it's interesting that this article was talking about the fact that rather, well, you can do all these other things if you want to, but you need to rest before you come and lead worship because then your spirit is in a place of ease. And also, probably the time of worship will be deeper than if you come and you are in a place of being depleted. I want to tell you, rest is important. In terms of this, uh, I want to say this, in order to have spiritual vitality, we need to ensure that we are getting uh, physical rest. Now, I'd like to touch on an aspect of physical rest, and specifically, this is sleep. Would you please say sleep? Tell the person next to you not to sleep, please. <laughs> just by the way, the other day, in church, now, let me just warn you that the cameras that are taking audience shots, they capture some interesting things. So the other day, next thing during the service, there is a mother and the, the son and they are not just having a little spiritual sleep. You know what a spiritual sleep is like when you just, your chin just dips a little bit. <laughs> and then you can still open your eyes and you look perfectly spiritual. But they were like this. <laughs> I tell you the truth. We've got it on camera. Can we just bring that picture up right now, please? Oh no, you don't have it today. Okay. Well. I'm telling you, they were in the third and the fourth heaven. They were deeply sleeping. 
When the video team showed me this, I thought, well, maybe I need to, I don't know, get more demonstrative in my preaching. But anyhow, they needed sleep. Now, would you agree in your life, sleep is vitally important? It's really important. And you as a wife know that when your husband doesn't get all of his beauty sleep, sometimes he's a bit grouchy. Am I right? Put up your hand. No, 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 don't put up your hand. And vice versa, we need our sleep to be able to function effectively. Do you know, somebody after the first service came and told me that they were uh, reading an article about this guy who runs so fast, the Jamaican. What's his name? Hussein Bolt. And uh, they were asking Hussein Bolt, what is the most important part of your training? And he said the following, I spend eight to 10 hours a night sleeping. That's the most important part of my training. Very interesting. Roger Federer evidently says 11 to 12 hours of sleep is what he needs to function optimally. Now, I wonder he's had such a long and illustrious career. There was a guy in our church who used to tell me, John, I don't need a lot of sleep. If I get four to five hours, it's good. And uh, he would work very late and get to bed 1, 2 a.m. in the morning, etc. And he said, no, it's fine. He's learned his body. He can function on less sleep. And I would shake my head and, and say, well, buddy, I don't know how you do it. Maybe you're superhuman or something, but I, am, I, need, I need my seven or eight hours. I need my eight hours sleep a night. And I couldn't understand this. But it was a number of years later, about eight years later, that his wheels fell off and he had a really serious burnout. I want to tell you, you need sleep. And I also want to tell you, listen to this statement. God wants his children to enjoy sufficient and adequate sleep. Sometimes I think we think that sleep is uh, just sort of like an ungodly, unspiritual thing. And, you know, it's only about spending time in your Bible. I want to tell you, you need to sleep. Tell the person next to you, you need to sleep. Not now. <laughs> And I want to say that I'm aware of so many people that have sleeping difficulties. And my heart goes out to people in that situation. I sleep very, very well. And, and my wife tells me that I snore, but I say to her, honey, I just purr. I don't snore. I said, snoring is a very, very big demonstrative thing. I just purr. But you know what? In terms of people that struggle with their sleep, I want to say to you today that the Lord wants to restore you in that area as well, in Jesus' name. You might want to come up to one of our pastors or shepherds afterwards for prayer if you're really struggling in that area. Psalm 127 verse 2 says, He gives His beloved sleep. And the context is that there's no need to live frantically. There's no need to live stressed out because it's in vain that you rise early and go to bed late because he gives his beloved sleep. It's in vain that the watchmen watch the walls on their own without trusting in God because we trust in God. And when we trust in God, we don't have to live stressed so that we can sleep well because many times it is stress that is stealing sleep from people. And so I want to say to you today, he has a promise. He gives his beloved sleep. I also just want to say this, that I believe that in terms of not just sleep, but I'm now talking rest. I believe, listen carefully, rest is one of the most ignored principles of Scripture. 
one of the most ignored. And I do understand that we are no longer under the law of the Sabbath. Agreed. But, bless you, God still calls you, listen, God still calls you to observe the principle, not the law, the principle of Sabbath rest. And that is one out of seven, you should rest. And I want to tell you, there needs to be one day in your week, at the very least, where you rest. Even Jesus set this pattern, even though he never slumbers nor sleeps. But the Bible says that he worked for six days and on the seventh day he rested. You must have a day in your seven days of the week where you take it easy, where you put some things aside. You must rest. And I would tell you that God will make the ground of your life more fruitful. It will renew its vigor so that in those other six days you can be more effective. But this is a principle of God. So are you going to ignore the principle of God and suffer the consequences? No. Rather, let's just be willing. Let's just be obedient. And for some people, you need to make a change when you go into this next year. That you're going to begin to set aside one day of the week. It might be your Sunday. That might be your Sabbath day when you really rest. For me, it is a Monday because uh, Sundays are different for me. For me, Monday is a time where it's my Sabbath. It's my time of rest. And recuperation. And I want to remind yourself that rest, remind you that rest is good for you. And also I want to tell you this, you are not a machine. Please realize that. Tell the person next to you, you are not a machine. <laughs> now, number two, the power of personal time with God. Say this with me, the power of personal time with God. Do you believe that time with God is powerful? It is. That's the amazing thing about personal time with God is how potent it is. It is so potent that the Bible says better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Better is a moment in prayer with God than a thousand other moments outside of prayer with God because time with God is potent. He's designed you to be connected to Him for life flow. And so one of the beautiful scriptures is Psalm 23, verse 2 to 3. It says, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. Doesn't that sound like restoring balance? Yeah, that does. He leads me beside the still waters. Doesn't that sound lovely? And verse 3, he restores my soul. Say that with me. He restores my soul. So many times we are walking around with brokenness of soul. Something happened, we got upset and there was an issue and for three or four or five days there's brokenness of soul. But all it takes is for us to just come to God and in a moment of prayer just give it to Him and, and just be with Him for a few moments and He restores your soul. I want to remind you that this thing of restoring balance in your life God is part of restoring balance in your life. Yes, you are taking the decisions to say, I'm going to make some changes, Lord, work, and so on. But God it needs to be brought into this because He restores the soul. Personal time with God will restore your soul. And your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. <coughs> Excuse me. And God wants to restore your mind, your will, and your emotions. Now, it is holiday time in South Africa, 
people are going away and people are looking forward to being refreshed. People are looking forward to putting things aside. But I want to say to this to you, please don't put aside fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Please don't put aside fellowship with God. And don't put the Word of God out there. No, no, no. Let it be part of your life. Reading a lovely devotion in the morning can be so beautiful. Taking a good Christian book on holiday can be great. I've got two books ready, with, ready to go on holiday with me. I'm looking forward to getting into them. And so it says in Isaiah 40, 31, But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That's the power of personal time with God. Number three. Invest in friendships that build you up and encourage you. Think about friendships for a moment. Do you have some good friends in your life? Do you have some people that are start markers, people that you can count on, some good friends? You see, part of living a balanced life is that you and I would enjoy quality friendships. We need special people in our lives that will love us. We need special friends in our lives that will stand with us. We can't do it on our own. When I was growing up, about eight, nine, ten years of age, I remember there was a, a funny gentleman that lived on our farm. We would sometimes go down there for holidays to East London. We've had this family farm in our family since 1948 and a couple of cows on it and so on. And so... There was a guy who was living on the farm in one of the flatlets, and from the main house where we would stay, you could see where he would stay. And he was a guy who was very strange. We never got to talk to him. He was always on his own, in his little flatlet, or in his little VW Combi, you know those ones from the hippie days, but he didn't have flowers on them, he was not that cool, you know what I mean? And uh, it was fascinating. And my dad said to me, he's a social hermit. I thought, well, fancy that. He's a hermit. <laughs> I had heard of Kermit, but I'd never heard of hermit. But we had a social hermit that was living on our farm. It was very interesting. And so we would hardly be able to see the guy. And then as kids, we would look out the window. The word would quickly spread. He, you know, he's, he's, driving, he's driving into the farm and we could see and he's driving in and we would peer out the window. Look, that's what a hermit looks like. <laughs> and he opens the back of his combi, takes the groceries out, straight in, and you never see him again. He'd never go for walks on the beach, never get out. And, and, and I thought to myself, this is very strange. And you know what I thought? God doesn't want us to be like that. Part of what he wants to us to experience in the rich fabric of life is that we have quality friends. And let me tell you, I believe that God wants us to have friends that lift us. Yes, you do have some friends where pretty much you're just investing into them. But I believe that God wants us to have friends that lift us. Quality friendships are about lifting Listen to this statement. I've shared it once before. This is the statement. In life, there are those who lean and those who lift. In life, there are those who lean. And as you look at your friends, are they ones that lean or are they ones that lift? I want to be a friend to others who lifts. 
And I want to spend time with others that are lifting me. Do we really need to have friends that want to update us on every latest crime story? Do we really need friends that just want to gossip about other people? I don't think so. And I believe that we need to select our friends carefully because our friends have an influence over our lives. But look for friends that will lift you, that will bring the best out of you, that will speak the truth in love, that will be there when times are tough. Look for real, true friends. Proverbs 12, verse 26 says the following. The righteous should choose his friends carefully. Say that with me. The righteous should choose his friends carefully. Isn't that an amazing piece of wisdom right there? I've heard it said, somebody once said, show me your friends and I will show you your future. I wanna talk to the younger generation, youth and young adults in this meeting today. And I wanna tell you the selection of your friends is critical. You take a guy who's 16 years of age and you look at his friends and it'll tell you about where he is going or she is going. Choosing your friends is vital. Even God is speaking to you saying, be careful of the friends that you choose. For some friendships, we actually need to draw them to a close and just realize any time that we'll spend with them will purely be to influence them for God. But you need to be careful because Bringing balance in your life, part of it is looking at your friendships because they help to build you up. Let me just tell you one scripture here, Proverbs 27 verse 6, faithful are the wounds of a friend. In other words, a real friend will speak the truth to you. They will tell you the truth. They're not going to tell you what you want to hear. Maybe you're sitting together and you're two couples and they're friends and you're having a meal together and you see how... Uh, the husband speaks to his wife and you realize that that's not really nice. He shouldn't have spoken to his wife like that. If you are a true friend to that person, you are obliged to speak up. Not in front of them, but you take your buddy aside and say, listen, my friend, the way you spoke to her was just really not lacquer. I, I really think you need to work on that. We want friends that really build and speak the truth into our lives and so I want to say, how are you doing in terms of your friendships? And let me say, maybe the Lord might like to give you one or two new friends. Imagine if in next year you were to meet one of the most wonderful friends you will ever have in your life. So be open. Don't just say, well, I've made my friends and this is it. Us four, no more club. Look for somebody. There might be somebody new that oh, God wants to bring into your life. Number four. Invest in yourself by enjoying self-time. Please say this with me. Invest in yourself by enjoying self-time. And I know some of the moms are going, yes. <laughs> self-time. The kids can go nuts. And I'm going to put my iPod, you know, my earphones in and listen to my iPod or whatever. I'm just going to chill. But I want to tell you this, that we should not feel guilty of having self-time. You need it, I need it. Song of Solomon, chapter one, verse six, says the following. It says, don't look down on me because of my color, because the sun has tanned me. My brothers were angry with me and made me work in the vineyard. I had no time to care for myself. Listen to that phrase. I had no time to care for myself. 
And this is the Shulamite woman she's speaking. You see, she was good at taking care of everybody else. She was taking care of her work. She was taking care of her friends. She was taking care of her family. And she was making everybody else happy. But in the process, she was neglecting herself. Now, I want to ask you today, aren't you maybe in the same position? You're so looking after everybody, but you forgot to look after yourself. The Bible says, love your neighbor as yourself. But that presupposes that you have to love yourself. It means you have to look after yourself. It means there's a reason why you get up in the morning and you do your makeup and you shave and you wash and you shower, you eat and you get dressed because then you're ready, you've looked after yourself so that you can face the world and make a difference. But in terms of physical preparation to look and smell good when you go out to work, I want to tell you that you have to look after yourself so that you can be effective in life because if you are broken, through burning the candle at too many ends, you're not going to be of use to anybody. And so I want to say to you, there's some people here today that you need to make a decision to have some self-time. Do you know that there's nothing wrong with having a cup of coffee all by yourself? It's like, you can even go into a coffee shop and sit by yourself and have a cup of coffee. Or maybe there's a lot of uh, rep and rue. What's that in English? A lot of busyness in the house and, and uh, you just want to go away from the family room and you just want to go sit in the lounge or sit on your bed and have a cup of coffee. And I want to tell you that I believe there's some people under the sound of my voice that the Lord is actually speaking to you today and saying, take care of yourself. Jesus spoke to his disciples. They had been ministering a lot and they were tired and hungry. And he took them aside and he said, come aside and rest a while. And maybe that's exactly what you want to do and that's what you need to do at this point in time. We've been talking about restoring balance in our lives. Point number one, ensure that you are getting sufficient rest. Number two, the power of personal time with God. And when you go on holiday, keep the fellowship of the Holy Spirit with you. Keep reading, keep growing. Number three, invest in friendships that build you up and encourage you. And number four, invest in yourself by enjoying self-time. Let's stand and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you that you are speaking to us today. And I only pray for grace for your people to hear and to respond. Lord, I am a shepherd. I have a shepherd's heart. And my heart goes out when I see people who are right at the end of their tether that are struggling. And I pray that you would bring comfort and that you would bring encouragement to those people who are really depleted at this point in time. Give them the grace to make wise decisions that open up the opportunity for you to flood restoration into their lives. But we declare in Jesus' name that you restore our souls. And so we ask, Lord, would you do that? 
Would you restore our mind? Would you restore our will? Would you restore our emotions? Because we need you. And lastly, I pray for people, Lord, that are struggling in the area of sleep. And I pray, oh God, for breakthrough for each and every one. And I pray that you would lift burdens and remove yokes, that tonight there would be sleep far superior to what they've been experiencing. We look to you, Lord. We trust you in every regard and every respect. And I bless your people now with peace. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand of praise. Hallelujah. God bless.